Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality with your host, me, Aliyah Lovely. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, psychics, aliens, religion, new age stuff, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, philosophy, and even dating. Some of the shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and new discoveries and other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up about what spirituality in today's world really looks like. Sarah is a dynamic soul who has lived a few lifetimes in one. After surviving living in the depths of a Brooklyn ghetto and then transforming her life to what most would consider successful in corporate America, Sarah found something was missing in her life and began a soul journey inward that led her to the search for not only a new profession, but a life that fed her soul. Sarah synchronistically found breathwork, a medium that she found groundbreaking in releasing trauma, treating addiction, and deepening the inward journey with herself that she now facilitates for others. In addition to that, Sarah returned to her roots in photography that she had long abandoned prior for financial security, and opening a type of non-traditional photography business that is not only fun, but begs you to look deeper at your energy by capturing one's aura. After soul-searching and having a world tour, she's found a home in Bali spearheading with her healing gifts and photography to this thriving spiritual community, and she's about to drop some mad stories on y'all. Please welcome Sarah to the show. I'm so excited to welcome Sarah to the show. Thank you so much for being on Spiritual Shit. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you um, because I had an aura light reading with you that was really, really cool where I got to see the expression and color of my energy, which is really, really neat. Um, before we get into our questioning, I wanted to first like give our audience listeners a little bit more information about you. What is it that you do and and how did you get to Bali and all that good stuff? Oh, man. Hard question to answer. (laughs) I am originally from New York, not New York City, but I did eventually move down there. I was in the rat race for a corporate America living, trying to live a really normal, boring life, and turned out I was very bored. And then I started participating in the style of meditation called breathwork. And before I knew it, I was in training for it. And now I've been in private practice for that for the last two years. And I got to Bali because I was over New York and I wanted to travel the world. So I did that. And I came to Bali on a whim. I was only supposed to be here for two weeks. And I got offered a job to lead a breathwork circle. And it changed my life. It changed your life. Mm -hmm. Bali kind of has that effect. I've only been here for about three weeks and I'm already like, shit, don't fall in love with this place. <laughs> fall in love with it. Stay, stay. And everyone does that. It's like, they, they said, they're like, oh, you're going to be here for longer than two weeks. And I said, no, no, I'm not. Yeah. And then I applied for a work visa and I said, if I get the work visa, which isn't easy to come by here, mm-hmm. I, I would stay. And I got one. Ta-da. So I'm here and I've had a full practice for a year in Bali, which is beautiful. And I'm in multiple studios teaching the style of meditation. And in the absence of quitting a couple of studios last summer, the idea to become an aura photographer came to me. 
Now, this isn't out of the blue. Mm -hmm. I went to university for photography. Mm -hmm. I loved it, but it was in fashion and I didn't love that. And I eventually burnt myself out on weddings and I departed from it. So coming back to it in a new and fun way in this new spiritual realm that I'm in felt really organic. Mm -hmm. And so I did a little bit of research and then I realized, oh, this camera is very expensive. (laughs) No, no. Mm -hmm. And it just kept coming to me in the quiet moments. And I have a beloved financial advisor who was like, everything you touch turns to gold. So do it. Mm. And now when I say I'm a financial advisor, I don't mean I'm rich. I'm not. (laughs) It means I had a lot of debt and she got in with me when I was 20 and she helped me pay off my student loans. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm talking about. Not a rich bitch, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, I do have a really close relationship with her and I take to heart everything that she says. And she's always supported me. So that was a big thing for me Mm -hmm. because I was like, shouldn't I save for my retirement? And she was like, shouldn't you live now? Dang. I've never heard a financial advisor say that. She's incredible. So I said, okay. And we moved money and I bought the camera with no investors and that was scary. Mm -hmm. And then I launched in New York and I thought I'd shoot five and I shot 50 in a week Mm -hmm. and it was incredible. And I started to understand that like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. The universe guides me where I need to be every time Mm -hmm. if I listen. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you guys who don't know Sarah, I just met her and I got to Bali and she's been my expander. Everybody that I've met through her has been basically gold. So what she's saying is absolutely correct. Her aura is huge and the way that she moves through the world is absolutely incredible. I can speak to that. Um, So like so excited because when I got my aura photograph, um, it was a very interesting experience. You're a very, very intuitive person also. And so like being able to open that up, let's just start with the first base level question. What is an aura and what is its spiritual importance? The best way that I have come to terms with this is we, we all have energy. We're made up of it. It can't be created. It can't be destroyed. We found ourselves in these bodies for whatever reason at this current point in time. Have you ever gotten close to someone and felt, Ooh, um, yes. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I must leave immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, or you, you get close to someone like when I met you, I, the way I hugged you was with my entire being. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I've known you. Mm-hmm. There's something refreshing about you. And so it's, it's about the feeling of that. That's the energy that we're putting out and it extends beyond our physical body and it takes up around us. So for me, it's like our aura is our energy that we're emanating out from our physical body that then interacts with the rest of the world. And that's how they, they feel us. And we might, we, might, bleh, we might not be able to see it, but it's definitely something tangible in the feeling realm. Mm-hmm. I'm a deep feeler. Yes. So <laughs> please. Clearly. Yes. And so spiritually, it's just, it's what we're, it's what we're working with. It's, it's the part of us that we can't fake. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we can try, but like people are going to feel when we're in a weird mood. Can you see auras with your eyes? Unfortunately, I'm not clairvoyant. I wish I could, mm-hmm. which is why I bought this camera because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've always felt them and I've always had really strong reactions and people were like, you're, you're oversensitive. Mm-hmm. And, and now I understand that my sensitivity is an asset. Yes. And now I can understand when I see people and I photograph them and I see their auras, I'm like, Oh, this is why I like you. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, this is why I, I don't want you in my studio right now, <laughs> which is cool. And of course, like every, every aura reading is different. And like you said, I'm intuitive. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. I am new in the realm of this mm-hmm. and I just allowed it to flow through me. I studied mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff. I read a bunch of books. And now when I give readings, they just feel right. Mm-hmm. I was very afraid to start to do this. Mm-hmm. And the first one that I did, it was as if it wasn't me speaking, something else had taken over. And I was just in the flow yeah. in the way that I am in breath work. Like, I don't think about what I'm going to say. It just comes out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, right. I'm supposed to be here doing this. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so 
if like, okay, so now that we've talked about the aura, what is aura photography? Um, what's the process? How does it work? And like, why, why, like, I understand your passion, you're a photographer, you're someone who's, who's into the energy aspect, you're an empath, but what made you so passionate about it once you discovered what it was? I had my first aura reading with my best friend and my then partner. And this woman called me out in front of them and I was gutted. So called you out like how, like, Oh, you're in an unhappy relationship and you're not using your voice. Shit. My partner was standing behind me. I was like, girl, shut up. Please stop <laughs> speaking. And and then she was just like, oh, this that's just what it is. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, right. Mm-hmm. You're you're not wrong. <laughs> so I did that. And then a month later, my partner and I had broken up. My best friend and I started getting our auras read quarterly. And every experience was joyful. Even if people had to say some not so great things, it was spot on. And it was just a further clarification that what I was feeling, what I was experiencing was spot on. And my energy is saying that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, cool. And it's a fun, tangible photo. Like yeah. I love a kitschy item. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I fell in love with, with that. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then the universe brought me back to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the style was invented a bazillion years ago. And the camera that I have was invented by this man named Guy Coggins mm-hmm. uh, from around like the 1970s. This camera is super rare. There's less than 200 in the world. And he was obsessed with energy too. So he created this great little system mm-hmm. where there are these little hand plates that you put your hands on, which takes in like our biomagnetic energy, feeds it into the camera. There's one exposure for you. The second exposure for your energy takes it a little bit, like four to 10 seconds to process it through. And then it comes out in a really beautiful Polaroid mm-hmm. and it's magical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder like, how does it work within the film emulsion to be able to pick up that type of color? Cause a lot of people ask me when I got my photo, um, like, is, is that real? Like, is it just like firing off like a, like a mood ring or something like that that you would wear? And it's just like, is it according to heat? Is it according to how does it do you know how it picks it up? I too am a skeptic. So when I got the camera, I was testing the heat of my hands, hot, cold, the temperature in the room, the humidity in the room, uh, everything. And like playing with the exposure, playing with the lighting. And I had this one woman come in and her aura was so expansive. It took up everything, like the whole room. And I took one and white is the rarest color to happen in auras. And her, almost the whole half of hers was white. Mm -hmm. So I was like, obviously I've overexposed. Mm -hmm have a seat. Let me take a second, cut the exposure in half, cut the lighting in half. And I was like, let's see what happens now. Camera. (laughs) No, it was the same. Mm -hmm. It was the same. Listen, I don't understand every intricacy of this, but I do know that it's real. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's kind of like one of those things where it's like, how much do you want to believe in it? Yeah. Like how much blind faith can you have? I don't know how electricity works, but Mm -hmm. I do know when I flip the switch, it's going to be on. Yes. Right. I'm pretty sure Rob, Bob Proctor says something like that in The Secret. Like, oh, I love that. We still enjoy the benefits of electricity, but we don't know how it works. Yeah. Like I just expect these things to happen. Yeah. Like I plug my phone in, it gets charged. Yeah. I don't know what happens there. <laughs> like I'm playing Spotify. I go play a video and Instagram, it stops playing my Spotify music. Then it picks back up again. Guess what? I don't care how, <laughs> but it works. So when these beautiful colors are coming out of these people and I can feel that it's spot on, mm-hmm. I'm just like, great. Can mm-hmm. I stop questioning everything? I'm very type A. Type A plus, my best friend calls me. <laughs> I like control. I want to figure it all out. And for whatever reason with this, I just want to trust. I just want to have a little bit of childlike faith mm. and just lean into it and have a little bit of fun because mm-hmm. life is hard enough. Yeah, I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of being like, but what? But why? If then, what? 
Yeah. It's spent. Yeah. Like, let's have some fun. Yeah. I like that because the experience itself was very fun. It was something that, like, you get to sit down, you get your picture taken, which, like, it's fun anyway, but then you get these, you get to have this revelation of like, what kind of color is it going to be? It's going to discover, you know, like you get to unveil some part of yourself. And then with that childlike faith, get to step into, okay, what does it mean? It's a way to look inward like astrology is, or are the, the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram or anything like that. Um, so which brings me to my next question. Um, what are the different colors that show up and what do they mean? So many colors. So think, Roy G. Biv, right? Yeah. And then like a couple extra ones for fun. Um, <laughs> and, and for me, the way that I interpret them is I, I studied the chakras last year mm-hmm. because everyone in Bali is like, this chakra is misaligned. So I'm acting like an asshole. <laughs> and, and I was like, all right, can we stop blaming the moon, the stars, our chakras on us being jerks? Yeah. So I studied them because I was like, oh, what I mean is that I'm narrow-minded and judgmental. <laughs> so let me read up. Yeah. So I did that and I did an entire breathwork series on it and I dove in each week and I got to really understand what they were. And turns out chakras are real, <laughs> like swirling little energy points in our body. I was absolutely astonished. So uh, I took that kind of information and I put it into the colors that I read here. Similarly, everyone else does that too with the books that I was reading. And we just pull out characteristics, like colors have been around for a long time. People have been drawn to certain colors for a reason Mm -hmm. because they mean X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. or Z. (laughs) uh, So for me, it was just linking them up with, with the proper chakras. And I guess since I'm intuitive, I can kind of feel where they're at. Mm -hmm. So each reading is different. When you get an aura photograph with me, you get a color card, which has a bunch of words in there. All of the words will not be for you, but also people can't remember everything I say. Right. So they can go back and reference the one that feel right for them. And then I just, I kind of speak. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if there is a deep red going on, that's going to go to your root chakra. It's going to go to the fact that you need to feel safe, secured, and loved. If it's bright and vibrant, you're killing the game. Mm-hmm. If it's dark and muddy, you're probably in some fear. Mm-hmm. You probably need a little bit more security in your life. And can you call that in? Mm-hmm. Or my favorite, you need to slow the F down <laughs> and really taking everything around you. My, I have favorites. I don't believe people when they say they don't have favorites. Mm-hmm. Like I've had a lot of pets in my life and there's definitely favorites. Yeah. Same. And so like when people have kids and they're like, I love them both jokes on you. I'm the favorite in my family. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's license plate is Sarah's dad. So hi. So I love favorites. So my favorite color to see in aura is yellow. Mm. Uh, it's just like, they're the people you want to be around. Mm-hmm. They're the sun. And that's what I feel in breath work. So for mm-hmm. me, when people have yellow auras, I'm just drawn to them. It's She's like, just saying that because I had yellow in mine. I actually couldn't remember <laughs> if you did. Oh, you do. And in your feminine. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, it's, it, it just gives me a little bit of life to be around people with yellow auras. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's going to be the same for everyone. Right. But for me, that's what I like. You guys are the sun. You, ha- you emanate this really beautiful light to you. And who doesn't want to be in the light? Amen. I've been in the dark for so long. Shed it on me, please. Mm-hmm. Teach me how I can be more generous, more compassionate, more loving. And then from the yellow in the solar plexus, where we can trust our gut, trust our intuition, mm-hmm. we move up into the heart. Mm-hmm. Hi, <laughs> I'm a lover. I'm a feeler. I want that definitely. So it's like those two are, are the best ones that I like to see just because that's what resonates with me. Mm-hmm. But other people who are really erratic may resonate with those who have red auras mm-hmm. or those who are super enlightened may resonate those with violet mm-hmm. because that goes up to our third eye and our crown chakra. Yeah. 
So just keeping that all in flow. So everyone can have their own favorite. Everyone can, you know, drop in on that or, you know, see like, where's there a blockage in your chakras? Mm -hmm. Can you take a minute of that? So when you have a blockage, what shows up in the energy field? Uh, So the way that I have decided to go with this is if it is a bit muddy or dark or something's going on in it, um, I like to think that it's probably the chakra right before it that you need to pay extra close attention to. Okay. So it's kind of like bringing it back like one step before to see, is there anything that needs to be cleared up? Mm-hmm. And then you can start to work on the mess in this other color. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just my philosophy. I don't know if that's right, but I love an opportunity to better myself, to expand, to transform. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, can I just take it one step back, take a look at that, and then move into the color that's a bit muddy and be like, okay, what's going on here? What needs attention? Nice. So you already went through um, yellow and green. Uh, what are some of the explanations for the others? And you can, you don't have to list them all, but just like a few. It's totally fine. Um, so there's blue, which is going to go to the throat chakra, which is your ability to be communicative, truthful. Also, they're the deep feelers of the world. So, you know, like if you have a blue aura, it's kind of, people are drawn to blue naturally. I don't know why it just happens. And there's a lot of different shades of blue. So they'll speak to different things too. Um, but I love a deep feeler. And also most people need to communicate more effectively. Most mm-hmm. of us bite our tongue. Most mm-hmm. of us don't want to step on toes unless you're a New Yorker like me and you just <laughs> run your mouth. So there's that one. Um, one of the more rare ones to show up is pink, which is going to be talking about the, the sincere individuals, the generous individuals, the lovers. Mm-hmm. And it's usually in women. So it's just kind of sweet when that comes up because they're like, oh, they've really embodied their feminine. Mm-hmm. Uh, white, like I said, very rare. Mm-hmm. But when it happens, they're like the divine force. They're really connected into a loving higher power or spirit in their life, which mm-hmm. is great. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. So um, are there healing benefits to being able to see the aura or is this more something that's used for fun or for novelty? I can imagine that it's for both, but like, what are the aspects that you see once someone sees their aura that allows them to look inward and, and are they experiencing healing from it? I think each person is going to come in with a different mindset. So maybe somebody wants to work on themselves and maybe someone just wants to have a bit of fun. I combine it in with breath work and I did a father daughter duo in Brooklyn, which was so magical. And both of them were kind of these like subdued unicorn colors. And then after we did breath work, uh, the daughter ended up having this beautiful balance, yellow in her masculine and her feminine. And the dad had moved into a, a deep blue in his masculine and feminine. So it's as if they had balanced out their energies in that process and their bodies started to understand what they needed to take in, what they needed to work on. And then both of them were like these vibrant colors at the end. So it was like, okay, they move something. Uh, if you just come for one, for sure, I can point out something that you need to start to work on if you want that. Mm-hmm. But also if you just want to be joyful, party on. Party on. <laughs> so like, since you said that, that people are able to do it with breath work and you can take two photos in the same session, that means the aura can change in the middle of the day. So what is the, like, how, how often does the aura change? Can you get to, like you said, two readings in one day, or is that something that changes gradually over time? Like, how does it work? I don't have a scientific answer, (laughs) but if you think about it, you come in and you have this, this energy to you. If somebody comes in and scares you, your energy field is going to change. You're going to become defensive and small. And so is your aura. So for sure, it can change frequently or it can be a gradual change. If you're someone who's done a lot of inner work and you're on the flow, blah, 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 might not have a drastic change from the day to day. But definitely for me, when I was doing it with my best friend, we did it quarterly. Mm -hmm. They were radically different every time. Mm -hmm. 
Nice. I wonder if there's some, for some people that they, they resonate in a certain color pattern for a while. Um, I would imagine yours would be different, like, cause you're tr- constantly trying to do work. You're tr- constantly trying to be self-aware, try- changing things, balancing things or whatever, but people who maybe have a prolonged way of thinking or being, perhaps their aura stays in a certain kind of way. And maybe it's not even a color, right? Like maybe it's a muddiness yeah. or a difference in clarity or something like that. It's something kind of interesting. Um, something I want to touch in into is that you're an intuitive as well. And so during my session, you channeled a lot of information to me about the per- kind of person I was, which was confirmed in the photograph. So how do clients normally respond to that type of information and how does it come to you? I don't know how it comes to me. I don't want to know how it comes to me. Mm-hmm. I'm stepping into this realm of just accepting that I am who I am. Mm-hmm. And I've played it small for a really long time. And now I have a voice that I use very frequently and I just let it flow and I don't question it. And it might mean that I'm very wrong, which hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I'm sure it will for sure. You know, like I'm not, I'm not pretending that I'm perfect at this. It's a new endeavor, but I've had many women cry. And I've had really deep connections with them. And that has made me uh, have belief in myself. Mm -hmm. And also by giving someone else a little bit of strength. What's that journey been like for you? And why have you felt like in your life you've been playing it small? We're going to get personal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have always wanted to be small. I have been 5'7.5 since I was 12. Mm. I'm a large person. I have had thunder thighs forever. People have made fun of my body. Men have put me down. The first guy I ever dated told me I was undateable and I'm not the girl you bring home. I'm the girl you fuck. He told you that. Oh yeah, sure did. Sure did. So I carried that. Mm -hmm. And my father has a very big voice, a very big presence. And sometimes it's scary. I didn't ever want to make someone feel afraid. And I also didn't ever want to be noticed. I wanted to fly under the radar. So in my corporate career, I was often supporting other executives so they could do better. They could make more money. They could be happier, forgetting that I'm also deserving of all those things. So slowly over time, I found my voice. Mm -hmm. And it's been hard, like going from supporting other people to being in the spotlight, to hosting groups weekly, to being one-on-one with someone and having to trust who I am was very hard. Now it just kind of flows and I understand like if, if I mess up, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. I'm a human too. And we're all doing the best we can. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. Especially since the work that you do is so intimate with the people that you're with. You're like, you're one-on-one with somebody talking to them about the way that their aura is and who they are. And what, like when you had my session with me, like you calling into into command about like, okay, you're this kind of person and you might struggle with this and these are your talents and these are this, like in that moment, it, I felt seen. Mm. And so you're giving people the gift of a thing that you wish you had during those times. And so I think that's really wonderful. And I talked about that in my last podcast, actually about how our wounds are how we heal other people. Mm. And so in your breath work and in your photography, you getting, sitting people in front of a camera is giving them an opportunity to be seen because that's what you've needed Yeah. at that time. Wasn't it funny? That's also kind of you too. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> We're not here to talk about me. Oh, oh sorry. Yes, yeah. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So we're just the same. Yes. I, I also like to remember, like, I'm not alone. 
Yes. That helps me continue to expand and, and to be like, oh, right. Somebody else has struggled with this. Somebody else is hidden behind a camera, hidden behind something else. I'm like, oh, cool. We're the same. Yeah. We're both just blossoming. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Uh, is there anything that people need to do to prep for a session with you for the photography? Nah, come in as you are <laughs> and don't really interact with me. Yeah. Uh, I've, like you said, I've got a big energy, so I have a way of engulfing others. So I try to not talk too much. I try to just be like, Hey, so great. You're here. Sit down. Mm-hmm. Let, let's do this. Take the photo and away. then we talk <laughs> because there is something like you said that there's energy entanglement, right? Yeah. Like people, like she, when I, when I don't, when I went in for my session, she said, okay, sit down. I don't want our energies to entertangle. So here's the, like, go. So it was this purest form of my own energy, which is a very interesting. Um, so then how does, your mood affect your aura colors? Like what are the very general, we talked about the general color readings for someone who's happy versus like someone who might be depressed, but in general, like what does that look like on a scale? If you can give a generalized version of that, if someone's super, super happy, is there a difference in the color or even like the clarity of the way versus someone who might be very, very sad or depressed? Excellent question. Haven't thought about this and I love it. (laughs) So from what I've seen, so I photographed myself really early on. And so I was back in New York. I was very sick and I suffer from depression and I was in it. So I took a photo and I was a deep red, very muddled, very close into my body. So it was spot on, of course. Like I'm going back to my root. I'm going back to feeling safe, secured, and loved. And I'm ill. So my color's dim. So what my body is doing, it's, it's taking in that energy and keeping it nice and close because I don't have enough to give. So for me, that's an explanation of somebody who's having a rough go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other people, my, one of the favorite women that I photographed, her her name is Carmen. And she is just so connected into her loving God and her mother and her son. And I got to photograph all of them. And she was joyous. And she took up the whole frame, mm. every inch. So for me, I think it, it is really the contrast. It's like the happier you are, the more in touch you are with yourself and with you know the universe, the bigger it goes and the brighter it goes. She's the big white one that I was talking mm-hmm. about earlier. And, and that's something I would love to strive to, mm-hmm. just being a little bit more joyful. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Awesome. Well, I'm so excited that we got a chance to talk about that. We are about to get into breath work. So we're going to take a small break and we'll be back for that. Yay. <laughs> And we're back. So we're going to get right into it. Sarah, what is breathwork? Breathwork is an active form of meditation and its entire purpose is to have an emotional release. That looks different for every individual who has ever tried it. Mm-hmm. If you are saying you are crazy, I am totally with you. Before I had tried every style of seated meditation. I did it a yogi for five years. I had tried every app. I meditated with monks. I felt I was broken. And meditation is such a buzzword right now. It's like every successful professional has a meditation practice. And I simply thought, not for me, won't be successful, give up now. Mm -hmm. And instead, I had reluctantly gotten a life coach. And she suggested that I try breath work. And I suggested that she not ever give me another suggestion. I was not in the mood. We were doing like really deep work. And I was like, girl, we are at the maximum. No. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I was at a breathwork group because I wanted to go to talk to the teacher about going to grad school. I wanted to go to grad school for acupuncture. She had gone to the school I wanted to go to and happened to be teaching the style of meditation, which I knew nothing about. 
I didn't even Google it. I mm-hmm. just said no. And, and I went because I wanted to kill two birds with one stone. I'm efficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New Yorker, man. Yeah. And I realized, oh, cool. Supposed to go to grad school. Thank you. And then I was like, oh, now I have to do this thing. Yeah. I was like, but I want to look like an all-star student to Dana. So I'm in. And it was just really difficult. <laughs> it was a room of, if you could just imagine whoever you think is the most beautiful soul and then times it by 30, that's where I was. <laughs> and I was like, uh-oh, don't belong, must leave, mm. bye-bye. And for whatever reason, I just sat down and I shut up and I allowed this absolutely beautiful light beam to just talk. And I took in everything she said and then she showed us how it was to be done. And I laid down and I did it with a lot of judgment mm-hmm. and a lot of expectation because a lot of people were having big experiences and I was experiencing nothing because I hadn't actually surrendered. Mm-hmm. And then this woman next to me had a really big experience where she was crying like hysterically and I'm a giver. I wanted to tend to her. And instead I said, I paid a lot of money to be here. Yeah. Whoever is hosting this can go help this crazy human because mm-hmm. she needs some help. And without recognizing it, I started to understand that she gave me permission to feel. Mm. And I had a somewhat annoying childhood, uh, some difficult humans in my life. I have a lot of mother wounds. And for me to be able to tend to myself was something I was very used to. And the narrative that I had always had was, it's me against the world. I've got this. If I don't do this, no one else will. And in that moment, I didn't want to tend to myself. I wanted someone to tend to me. So I fought it. And then I gave in. And I started to do the breath the way that it was suggested. And before my eyes, I had visions of everyone in my life who had ever shown up for me. So I actually had to shed that idea that it's me against the world, Mm. that there are a lot of people in my life that have shown up every time my dad has had cancer, every time I've gone through a breakup, every time I've tried to do something and failed, I have been caught. Mm. I land in the arms of giants. So it was a lie that I had to let go of. And before I knew it, I was hysterical Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was beautiful because it was just profound gratitude. Mm -hmm. And afterwards I realized I did it. I did the meditation. I understand what people are talking about. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who likes instant gratification, this is a style that you could try. Mm -hmm. It might work for you. I haven't had an experience when I've gone in and I haven't walked out feeling different. So that's really profound. (laughs) Wow. So what is it like? Okay. So for people who don't know or don't haven't had any kind of experience with it at all, what, like what's happening? You go in, you're sitting there and what, like you're breathing in or like there's a certain breath pattern, like, but what does it mean? Yeah. So just so you know, there's a lot of different styles of breath work. Uh, there's a million out there. Unfortunately for me in the style that I teach, there's not a name. My teacher doesn't believe in trademarking something given to us by the universe. So he has come up with this pattern that was given to him by a friend or I think a hawk or something. I can't remember. A hawk? Listen, he's a real, Listen. <laughs> he's a real wild dude. And he, it's funny cause he's like a Southern gentleman. Uh-huh. And then he moved out to LA to be an actor. And then he found this and then he's like, oh, I'm supposed to help people. So he has. Yeah. Okay. So he, his style is specific. It's you breathe into the low belly, you breathe into the high chest, and then you exhale. It's rhythmic. You don't stop at the top or at the bottom. You just let the breath take over you. And it's a little frustrating in the Can beginning. Can you do it here? 
Yeah, for sure. Perfect so, um, so what you're, if you want to join in with me, you can sit in a seated position right now and open up your jaw and we're going to breathe in and out through the mouth for the whole time. And you're going to go low belly, high chest and out. You can put your hands on your low belly, your hands on your high chest, and then just listen to me. <sighs> Puff out the low belly, high chest, out. Let's do five. Cool. Last one. Return to neutral. Taking a few big deep inhales to the nose and out through the mouth. I'm going to pass out. <laughs> This is why we do it lying down. Woo. You should get a little heady. Your body should feel a little bit warm. Its entire purpose is to have an emotional release, which means you're going to have feelings in your body. It means endorphins will go everywhere. God damn. You're getting high on your own supply. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, first of all, like, first of all, we, um, I've done breath work before with another practitioner. Actually, the practitioner, Josh Solar, is why I met you in the first place because they went to the same class. And uh, we have an episode with Josh Solar uh, earlier in our uh, this season. But like, it was, it was such a crazy experience because it felt like, I mean, it felt like you were higher than high, mm -hmm. like higher than what anything could actually give you. And I was sitting there laying there as we were doing the breath. And at some point it's weird, you know, the feeling when you don't have enough breath, like you're coming up from underwater or something and you're like, <gasps> I didn't breathe. I have the same sensation when I'm breathing too much, mm -hmm. like that panicky feeling of like, Oh, this is too much. I can't keep breathing yeah. because we're so used to such shallow breath. And so I was sitting there having this very euphoric, but also scary kind of experience because there was so much breath that was happening and so much moving through my body emotionally, energetically, um, just physically. And I was sitting there and at some point I felt like Josh had touched my head and then touched my stomach. And I was like, okay, he's trying to like stabilize me or, you know, something like that or whatever. And then, um, and had, had it there for, for quite some time, felt like just support. And when we were done, I opened my eyes and I was like, um, you like, man, it felt really supportive when you put your hand on your, on my head and my stomach. And he's like, Aaliyah, I didn't touch you. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I was like, don't be <laughs> fucking with me, Josh. Like, don't play with me. Cause you know, I have the medium stuff or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he was like, no, I swear to God, I did not touch you. And I was like, damn, like I was in that like other realm type of type of feeling. So if you can explain like other experiences people may have had that are similar to that. And then if we can segue into how you said that getting high on your own supply, how like people with addiction have been incredibly helped by this practice. Of course. So first and foremost, Josh is incredible, right? He <laughs> is just a shining light. So if you haven't listened to his episode, go back and do it. He is the sun. Mm. It is an honor to be in his light. So in my experience, Frequently, I will. I, I touch her on the body. Uh, I stabilize it. I'll see energy moving. You may need to expand out a little bit, and I'll just touch there. Uh, but most commonly, people will say, "Oh, when your hand was on my chest, it felt really good." And then I heard you across the room, but I still felt you on me. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> that's some magic." Mm -hmm. And and like that just speaks to the energy side of that. And. Similarly, people have said the same thing to me. They're like, oh, thank you for being with me for so long. And, and I wasn't, mm -hmm. but they were there for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so what you were just talking about, feeling anxious and feeling overwhelmed, 
for me, what I discovered is I was a really anxious person. I had anxiety attacks frequently. And through this style of breath work, I started to understand I have total control over my body and my mind. So in the beginning part, when I would feel anxious, I would just say, I'm safe. I'm okay. And I would just let it flow. And then when I would start to have an anxiety attack, I would go back to that and I would breathe super deep into my low belly to kick off the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So I would be okay. Tell people what that is. So we have this really cool nervous system and buzzwords right now are vagus nerve, sympathetic, and parasympathetic. (laughs) So the vagus nerve basically delivers um, information throughout our body. And if you think about it, when, if you do any sort of physical fitness and and you're running or doing something, you're like... (laughs) you are in the sympathetic nervous system. So Mm -hmm. it is the fight or flight. And what we need to do to combat that is kick off the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest. And the way that you do that is by, you start to drop the breath, you start to fill up, you start to calm it down. So if you're ever freaking out, welcome, bend there, breathe nice and deep and it's okay. Uh, It's been extremely helpful for me in my practice because I deal a lot with uh, addicts and alcoholics. So I am a recovered alcoholic or recovering. I don't know. You pick your word. Don't care. But I've been sober (laughs) for 10 years and I have been able to help other people because the way that addicts and alcoholics brains work is they're overactive. They're overstimulated. Most of us used those drugs to check out, to numb out. We were feeling too much. Mm -hmm. And so it's an opportunity to give those people their power back so they can realize like you can have a really fun, enjoyable time in this lifetime without putting anything into your system. You are a powerful being. Welcome home. Hmm. That's beautiful. So they've been able to then see results of like being able to dispel the addiction or like- I think it works like tandem uh, with therapy, help, 12-step programs. I am joining a team called Breathwork for Recovery that is based out of California. And he, Nathaniel, uh, runs it and he does deeper trainings into trauma and how to hold space properly and how to show up for them. And so he's built out this program and so I'm, I'm launching the Bali side, which is great. Uh, but definitely I know for myself, like I've had moments where I wanted to use again, for sure. I'm a human person, life happens and I can just come back to myself and, and quiet it down. Cause what happens is I'm in the sympathetic, I'm in the fight or flight, I'm freaking out. I can't slow down. And what I need is to slow the F down, realize, mm-hmm. sure, this might be challenging, but I can face this. Mm-hmm. I don't have to check out. I don't have to harm others. Mm. I can just be here. Mm. So then what are the challenges in breath work? Oh, what isn't a challenge? <laughs> um, I mean, we, we breathe into the low belly to access uh, all of our emotions and anger hangs out down there and, and worry and sadness hangs out in our lungs. And then we breathe up into the heart, heart chakra, love for you, love for others. Uh, receiving and giving love is usually hard for people. And then when you exhale all the way out, it's kind of like the removal. So for sure, you're going to hit emotions that are hard. You're going to start to feel maybe past traumas from your life because our bodies store that until we're ready to release it. And the way that we have to release it is to refeel, which I don't want to do that. I've had a lot of really troublesome moments, you know, like six years of active alcoholism put me in a lot of unsafe situations. I've been in a lot of fights. I have sexual assaults. I have fights with my parents you know? Mm -hmm. So, and my little body holds on to that. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, we're not often taught how to deal with grief. So when someone we love dies, at least in America, we we go to a wake, we go to a funeral and then it's over with, but no, there's so much more. And we carry those people in us. And I've had opportunities where I've seen, and I felt my past loved ones, my grandfather, my grandmother, 
and it's wonderful. So you will definitely hit some hiccups, but you're supposed to hit the hiccups. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's time. It's time to feel that. And, and maybe it's that you feel, you know, a lot of anger. There's a part in the process where you let out a big yell. Mm -hmm. It's now my favorite part. I didn't have a voice for a long time. And it took me about 11 sessions to start to really yell. And again, I, I found the strength through that, through the person next to me, Chris Phipps, who is a breathwork practitioner in New York City. And his yell is ferocious. Like it shook me to my core and he gave me permission to yell. And the first time I did, I remember I was processing a lot of those mother wounds. Um, I don't have a connection with my mother. She cut me out of her life and, and she's not mentally stable. So there's a lot of past trauma there. And the first time I let out a big yell, it was just the yell at the frustration that she wasn't the mother that I'd expected her to be. She's been given this title because she gave birth to me, but she didn't earn it. Mm. And turns out she's just another human mm -hmm. doing the best she can. So I got to yell out the frustrations of the mother that I wanted her to be. And at the end of that, I had an out-of-body experience where I floated on top of myself and I saw how sad I was because I just wanted to be loved. And I got to come back and be like, oh, <laughs> she did the best she could. Mm. And I had a little bit more compassion for her. Mm -hmm. So for sure, do you think I wanted to go into that nook? No, mm -hmm. <laughs> not in the mood. But on the, the flip side is it, I felt lighter mm -hmm. and I needed it. To be able to release that. Yep. Um, do you experience for people, because as a means of us breathing into that, it is us opening back up the scar, going back in, taking the shrapnel out, feeling the shrapnel and being like, all right, we got to get this out of our body. So we are literally exhaling it out of our bodies. But do you find that anybody ever experiences like re-traumatization? That's kind of like a popular thing right now. Not popular. There's some books that I was reading about mindfulness and meditation and things like that and how people are afraid of re-traumatizing people through their, their meditation. What, what are your just thoughts about that, about what do you experience when you see people like that? Definitely. I, I've been there and I think I call in clientele that have been through the same things I've been through. So I've already worked through that. Like I said, I, I processed a sexual assault with my teacher one-on-one. -on -one. Grateful it wasn't in a group setting, but I have had a client process a gang rape mm -hmm. in a group setting with 25 other people in the room. I am trained. <laughs> I, I feel a lot. I like to show up. And uh, it's important for me to remember that like, I have to be there for that person. I mm -hmm. have to be able to make her feel safe. And I did the best I could in that scenario. And, and I tried to bring her back and slow down the breath. But I don't think we go there unless we're ready to go there. Yeah. That is just the belief for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that's set in stone, uh, but also I, I haven't, I've, I've led hundreds of groups at this rate mm -hmm. and I haven't had anyone go somewhere and have them be shaken up for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I, I try to pay very close attention. If I see people starting to be on the brink of something, I, I definitely am there mm -hmm. and I go to them. I, I have a skill set of being able to hold a room of 30 mm -hmm. with ease. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a gift that uh, I have, I needed in my life, right? So now I, I can show that for other people, which is wonderful. You definitely get a lot deeper when you do a one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. and you feel a little bit safer to go into those places. And again, sometimes we've just got to feel it so we can continue to move on, like make space for something new, maybe is, something a little bit lighter. Yeah. Is there any aftercare that's necessary after you do that? I am always available for people that I work with. Um, I, I do have pretty firm boundaries, but if something continues to come up and you need assistance, for sure. Mm -hmm. Hit me up, send me an email. I'm there for you. Um, come and do a one-on-one. -on -one. We'll, we'll go in that. You'll feel totally supported and safe. And I think also it gives you the permission to share more openly with those in your life. Because mm -hmm. you go through this experience and you're like, oh, I need to share this. And, and that's what happened with me in one of my experiences. <laughs> I, I, was, I was in it 
And I kept hearing my wants and needs weren't being met. Mm -hmm. My wants and needs aren't being met. It was like a broken record. And I was like, okay, body, I get it. Mm -hmm. Move on. And then turns out I went home to my partner and I was like, hey, can I tell you about this experience I just had? It was really wild. And he said, no. And I said, oh, my wants and needs aren't being met. My wants and needs aren't being met. My wants and needs. Well, you got met. to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, d- we did break up roughly four weeks later. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a really long and beautiful relationship. And there was plenty of times where they were met, but we had grown and we had changed. And I'm somebody who wants to consistently transform. Mm-hmm. So now I, I understand that my wants and needs are valid. They, they need to be heard. And the people that I keep in my close circle hear me. Mm-hmm. They don't judge me. There's nothing like that. So it, it was nice to learn that and to be able to grow from that. Yeah. And in breathwork in particular, um, so I'm, I'm a, a heavy meditator. I practice meditation and I do it mostly every day. Um, and I can find that I, there's this, like you said, out of body experience that happens. You end up doing this type of astral travel that happens. Do you find that you have people that come in who are kind of perhaps skeptical or people who are not very deep into this mystical, spiritual type of practice? And they're like, eh, whatever, I'll check it out. Have those type of experiences Sure have. (laughs) So uh, I try not to teach in yoga studios. Mm -hmm. I was someone who wouldn't have found this through yoga studio, Mm -hmm. right? Like I was a a finance closed off broad. And (laughs) so for me, (laughs) I I really want to be able to offer it to those who don't know that they need it. So Mm -hmm. I work in functional gyms. I work in spas. Mm -hmm. I... I want to serve the people that don't know that they need it. And so for me, which has been really beautiful is almost half of my classes are men Mm. and I have a pretty, let's talk about (laughs) that. I love talking about men. Here we go. Uh, I have a heavy masculine energy. Mm -hmm. So I think for them, they feel a little bit more safe rather than like someone who's going to show up in a flowy outfit and talk about, you know, angels and shit. Like Mm -hmm. that's not me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm here to be like, yo, I get it. I feel you be messy. I'm going to give you the space to be messy Mm -hmm. and for you to feel okay. Mm -hmm. But people being able to come in, do you see, okay, so did you practice breath work in New York? And like, cause you're here based in Bali, do you see a big difference in the type of clientele that you attract or the type of experiences that you see are uh, happening in your practices? I did start practicing in New York. I started my practice in New York and I did community groups because breath work was really expensive. And even then almost half my groups were men always, mm-hmm. which was nice. I didn't try for that. Um, but for me, it was like, I want to serve the, the men that need to feel a little bit more. I want to serve uh, minorities. I want mm-hmm. to serve people who aren't, you know, young, semi-wealthy white bitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's hard because that's what I am. Right. <laughs> so it's like, Oh, how do I do this with grace and dignity? Mm-hmm. How do I, I, get people to trust me. Mm-hmm. And turns out it's just by being me, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, but the clientele here in Bali is very transient. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I only get people for one session and things start to shift. And then they message me months later and they're like, I'm still trying to find someone to do it with. And it changed everything. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love you. Uh, but New Yorkers are definitely just louder. <laughs> like we, we don't hold back. We come and we're like, this is what's going on. Bam, bam, bam. And here people are like, I'm going to be a little reserved and we'll see what comes out. And then before you know it, like you're crying about like your past relationship on a floor with 30 other people. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, cool. But you never know who you're giving permission to feel when you're next to them. Yeah. So if you can just stay centered in yourself and process through that, like you don't know what you're doing because all of our energies start, you know, intertwining Mm -hmm. and it's absolutely lovely. Yeah. Uh, But it's like being sure that you are giving yourself permission to trust yourself and Mm -hmm. to trust your breath and to have it dive deeper and have you shine lights on the shadow parts. 
So when someone who's never practiced breath work before, is it more advantageous for them to do a one-on-one first or to come into a group or does it matter? I don't know if it matters. I found it through a group setting and I, it might just be my personality type of type A. And uh, so I really wanted to have an experience out of it. Um, both experiences are great. They're totally different. It's just like where you feel safest. So I can't say one is better than the other. You have to truly ask yourself and then see like how much are you actually willing to give? Mm-hmm. Most times the first experience people will have held back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, their minds are like, whoa, I can go there. Cause now I understand, you know, the sensations of the body. Now mm-hmm. I understand I'm going to hate the first four minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> when she tells me to yell. I think no one else is going to yell. And then the whole room roars. So it's like, oh shoot, I held back when I, I didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So it's just trusting yourself and giving yourself more permission to take up a little bit more space. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that this is a practice that started to take off now? Yo, I have no idea. The (laughs) breath is so important. And I've been preaching about it for years now, you know, and people before me have been preaching about it for even longer. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting that people are awakening to it now. I don't care why. Yeah. Like, let it be. Let us feel, let us process, let us transform, and let us be our best versions of who we are today. How is, well, first of all, let's talk about, like, right now we're in the shift energetically anyway, in our time period, 2020, clarity, boom. Um, I feel like I, I want to talk a little bit deeper into your journey with Bali mm-hmm. because in particular, Bali calls people here. I'm here right now. We're having this kind of like, I'm just here visiting. And now I'm like, shit, don't fall in love with this place. Don't be stuck here. <laughs> It'll <laughs> suck you in its vortex and it's very polarizing energy. Um, what like the calling that you got here and the type of people that you're healing and what you're being able to open up and you being a conscious practitioner, how has Bali changed your life? I was intuitively traveling the world before I got here. Uh, in breathwork, I, I heard it was time for me to leave New York, which was very scary because it's my home. And I was like, what if, what am I without home? So I started traveling around intuitively, again, not understanding that I had an intuitive nature. And my teacher told me to go tell everyone I was a healer. I was like, you're a crackhead. <laughs> no, <laughs> shut up. And, you know, I guess what I ended up teaching all over Europe and it was wonderful. And I got to Bali because I was in Turkey after a month being there in a whirlwind love affair. And uh, I didn't know where I was going to go next. And nothing was calling to me. Mm. It was very frustrating. And then my friend who I started traveling the world with said, oh, well, my friends are going to be in Bali at this villa. I think there's a spare room. Do you want me to hook you up with them? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> and then I saw the, a video of the villa and I've been staying in hostels. And I was like, oh my God, a door, <laughs> a bathroom just for me. I'm in. <laughs> and I got here and I started teaching <laughs> mm-hmm. and I held my first group, which had 17 people, which is my number. And I was like, oh, this feels really good. I think there are people who are receptive to this energy and I want to stay around for a little bit. So I applied for a work visa. I ended up getting it, which is hard. And then I was just in the flow. Then it was like pitching myself to studios and seeing where did I want to be, which meant I definitely fell flat on my face. Mm-hmm. I, I worked at this like crazy like meathead CrossFit gym <laughs> and, and they vibed on me, which I was shocked by. Mm-hmm. And and then I, I was at a yoga studio and, and it was fine, but I didn't like it. Like again, they want this. It's available. They know where to get it. I want the people who don't know what it is, mm-hmm. who are absolutely blown away when they realize their strength and their power. Mm-hmm. And are interested in changing. So I primarily work here at this one studio called the Changu Studio. They have like boxing, 
dance classes, yoga, stretching, all these weird things, lots of masculine things. So there's like a lot of beefcakes. Yes, please. <laughs> and uh, so on, on Fridays at four, we all get together and we go on a wild ride. And it's wonderful because you'll get the boxers and you'll get the yogis and you'll get the, I don't know, my friend told me to come because she had a great experience and everyone's experience is different. So being able to serve a, a really beautiful cross section has been fun. And, and it's changed me. Mm-hmm. It's changed who I am because I was this closed off stoic New Yorker, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you to pour your heart out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to do it, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I lead with a little bit of a talk each week. So I'll, I'll give a word and I'm selfish. <laughs> it's for me. It's what I'm going through. Yeah. So last week was authenticity and I used to be a chameleon. Mm-hmm. I would change myself for whoever I was with. You like baseball. I liked baseball. You were a runner. I was a runner. Mm-hmm. You like eating meat, even though I was basically raised vegetarian. I liked meat. Mm-hmm. I didn't eat it, but I was just like, oh my God, I love when a guy eats a steak medium rare. I don't give a shit, honestly. <laughs> so it was like interesting to look back and be like, oh, I was really inauthentic. And now who I am here is the most authentic version, which means people don't like me. Mm-hmm. I used to care a lot. I had a lot of FOMO and now I don't care. Like you're going to jive with me or you're not. And if you don't jive with me, you're going to jive with someone else. Mm-hmm. So I get real. I share very openly. I'm someone who suffers from hormonal depression. I am an ex-alcoholic. I am a dating, a serial dating disaster. Uh, and I think it's fun. I think it's fun to share these things and realize like there's a lightheartedness to all of it. Mm-hmm. And you might think like you're going through the same thing. I had this profound experience last week where I shared how I was a secret keeper and a liar and a cheater for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I had an, an opportunity to have a beverage with this girl afterwards. And she said, I... I didn't know that somebody else did that. Like you gave me permission to remember I'm not alone. Mm. And for me, sharing something that vulnerable took a lot, but also it's my truth. Yeah. So if I can help someone else work through that, amazing. Because I'm not those things anymore. Mm -hmm. I no longer pretend to like things, but I had to do the heavy work to get there. So now I'm just openly vulnerable and myself and it's wonderful. Okay. I just think it's so fucking beautiful because I've been saying for a while how tired I've been of the love and light and everything's positive and, oh, don't think anything bad and this and that and how we're able to like viscerally hear in your voice the journey that you've been on and the pain that you've been through and what you've had to come in contact with and come to reality with. And because you have felt broken at some point, you are healing people who are broken. So your girl who told you that you were a healer then was absolutely a million percent right. And I saw that in you the first day I met you. And I think that for everybody who's listening, who thinks that they don't have something to offer or someone that like, I'm not this person yet, or I'm not to this level yet that like bullshit, like cut the crap because your wound is what allows you to be able to heal other people. I'm so thankful that you decided to come out and be your authentic self and use your voice and be the type of person that you are because you are just absolutely a million percent shining like the sun, like you said about Josh. Um, And I think it's wonderful and a beautiful gift that you're bringing to the world, especially here right now. So I'm so thankful that you have been on the show. Um, How can people find you? Wait, can I say thank you? Yes, you can. (laughs) God, it was so hard for me to receive that, guys. (laughs) Next time somebody gives you a compliment, just take it in and feel it in every fiber of your being because I think I'm about to profusely sweat. (laughs) That was so kind. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Yeah, I'd love to interact with you. 
Yes. Anyone. Tell tell them <laughs> how to find you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at Sarah Silverstein. I'm sure she's going to tag me in the notes because yes. my name is annoying to spell. <laughs> um, or if you want to read more about breath work and what it is, there's a video up on my website, which is just sarahsill.com. Uh, please feel free to email me, slide into my DMs, ask any questions. If your voice needs to be heard, I am here for you. I also have a, a free guided meditation that will get you into that parasympathetic nervous system. So feel free, hit me up, ask for it. I'm always here to support your growth. I love you. Goddamn, that's a good episode. <laughs> yes. I love you. I'm so excited. I'm so glad to know you. And you guys, thank you again for supporting this channel. Uh, check out all the deets in the description. If you would like to support this channel uh, financially, um, you can donate to the supporter monthly. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Interested in becoming a client for energy coaching? Find me at www.thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do or hit me up on IG at the lovely Aaliyah for daily content and inspiration.